got so many ideas for my show and so many things I want to do. Oh, and brilliant. just not the time to do it. Yep. Hello, Mark Stedman here, and this is List Envy, the podcast where I work with a special guest, and together we build a top five list on a topic that they choose. This week's guest is Susie Buttress. Uh, now let's address the elephant in the room. There wasn't an episode last week. You'll know what's going on at the moment. If you're listening to this uh, in March 2020, then God bless you. Um, take care of yourself. It's a crazy time right now. Um, this is one of two episodes that are going out this week. I'm going to get this up and then uh, the next one will be shortly after it. And then we're going to take a bit of a break. Um, I'm not going to be leaving you, though. I'll talk about that a little bit later. Uh, but I'm going to take the foot off the uh, petrol um, for List Envy uh, for a bit um, while we just wait for things to to just just chill out everyone can we let's just chill out uh, so we'll have a chat about that in a tick uh, but let us get straight into this episode this is a lovely one especially given um the time of year that we're in now uh where there's lots of lovely things to see out in your garden um and also lots of time to do it in so uh let's get uh, let, let's crack on with my guest Susie Buttress who is the host of the Casual Birder podcast and uh, I started talking to her all about birds but I, I i first started asking her about her ideal bird watching location so my ideal bird watching would be sitting in a, a a lovely location probably with woodland nearby and i would be sitting out with a nice drink and just watching what birds come to the bird feeder or the bird table um, because I'm a very lazy birder. One of my absolute best birding days was last year in Mexico. We were staying in a small um, little Airbnb, which had a mature garden. And um, I just spent the day from dawn till dusk sitting outside, watching what birds came to the garden. And because they were all, lots of them are very new birds to me. So it was just wonderful to just see what was already coming and then work out what they were. I get a lot of um, bird song around um and it's i'm very lucky where i live um because uh, it's it's a flat um and it's you know it's in it's in the city but it's in a very quiet area and there's a, a lot of of bird song and i'm not very good at identifying them um but i i wanted to know what your what's your favorite bird song because we're, obviously we're talking about just garden birds and things but what is your favorite bird song I think probably blackbird, mm. but <laughs> but then there's the robin yeah. and the dunnock and the goldfinch. <laughs> and I, I, honestly, it's like choosing your favourite child. Yes. You can't. They've all got their own qualities. Yeah. But the blackbird for me, I guess, is the quintessential set, uh, summer afternoon mm. sound um, or the singing in the middle of the night sound, yeah. depending on what's going on. Um, but yeah, I think the blackbird is the most fluty makes me think of english country gardens mm -hmm. so i think yeah oh lovely um so my uh my parents um have they, they live in a very um uh well they, they live just just opposite a um a park which is a, a big old a big old park called the L uh, licky hills um and it's i don't know you know what the, the classification is but it's a you know it's a great big swath of uh, of land um so when i say park i don't mean you know like with with a couple of swings, swings. Yeah. <laughs> yeah um and uh they they so they get a lot of wildlife uh, there and uh, they they've named their there's a i think a couple of robins that come and sit and uh, uh, and eat from their bird feeders and they they've given them names i think it's elvis and priscilla um <laughs> 
Is that something that that, that people do? Oh, yes. <laughs> <laughs> now, you know, I will point out that there is a, a wide range of bird watchers. Yeah. There will be very serious scientific bird watchers and there will be very, very casual bird watchers. And it's very hard not to, big word here, anthropomorphize them. Yes. Um, but, you know, it's very hard not to give them human characteristics. That's the because, birds, not the bird watchers. Well, it's, yeah, it's very hard to give them <laughs> human characteristics. No, but it's very hard. You know, you, you have these animals. It's like when you've got pets, mm. um, you know, your dog has got characteristics as part of the family. Your cat has got their own mm-hmm. <laughs> characteristics. Um, but, yeah, when, you, when you're having birds coming to your feeders and you're, you're observing them and watching them and seeing how they interact, it's natural to want to specify particular ones and yeah absolutely to give them names we've done that in the past as well you know if there's a feather out of place then that will be the the identifying feature or or whatever um but yeah it, it, there's no right or wrong there are some people that might be snooty about it but do you know what as long as you're getting enjoyment out, out of seeing the birds that's the important thing too right um so to that end then uh we should we should uh, we should do a list yes I would like to know, uh, to begin then, what is your number one? So uh, the way I've categorised this is in my head, uh, which I know is very, very slightly different, but I, I think it's OK from, from what we discussed. Um, but just to sort of fit it in my head, I've, I've, I've gone with birds you can see in an English country garden. Um, but they needn't be, you know, specifically English and it needn't be country. No, you can't. You can't change the rules now. No, 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 no. I'm not. I promise. <laughs> not when there's only five birds. <laughs> no, indeed. Uh, so what is your, what is your number one pick? I'm now debating it Ooh. in my head. I went for Robin. Yeah. Now, this is also Britain's number one favourite bird. Isn't it, though? Um, and part of me wants not to choose it because it gets so much publicity. Sure. <laughs> it's like, it's like you know, the serial of podcasts or something. Yeah. <laughs> Everyone knows about it. And no one hears about the little guys. Um, but there's a reason why it's so popular. Um, well, there's several reasons and, um, you know, let me know when and I'll go through them. Uh, well, by, by all means, uh, go, go through them. I mean, he, so, so the Robin lands in my, in my list, but not at number one. So this is good. Interesting. Oh, that is good. So the reason I chose the Robin, uh, I had various variables that I thought of that I wanted, Mm -hmm. that I wanted to, um, compare all of the birds against. And these are totally arbitrary variables that just came to me as what I would look for in trying to choose the best bird. Perfect. So the categories I've got are song, plumage, behaviour, impact on the garden. Oh, lovely. So with the robin, has got a beautiful song um, and it will sing a lot of the year as well. Mm-hmm. Uh, obviously singing to defend its territory and to attract a mate. Um, it also has some uh, warning sounds as well, mm. but the song is the thing we, we hear the most of. So it has got a beautiful song for such a small little bird. And I've had some wonderful sightings of them on cold mornings and see the little breath coming out of them as they're singing away. And, you know, they're going on then to the, the plumage, um, which is another key factor. They are so iconic with their red breast brown body they've got such well i was just going to say they've got such a cute face that's not quite plumage that's how they're formed but it all builds into it so on on those winter mornings with the snow around this little red-breasted bird 
singing away with the breath coming out and, and seeming like it's singing joy out, um, even though it's probably just saying, clear off of my territory, this is mine. Get um, out of it. Yeah. But yeah, there's just um, something about that sort of iconic image and, and just seeing them. They make you feel, make you feel, yes, this is, this <laughs> is my little Robin. <laughs> Um, the other thing is they're known as the gardener's bird. You know, they will follow you around the garden. If you're digging in the garden, turning over mm. the earth, they will take advantage of that worm you've uncovered. And they'll often sit on the wheelbarrow or on the handle of your fork. And they seem to come quite close to you. I know some people who work in the garden a lot. And so the robin gets accustomed to them will come mm-hmm. to them for mealworms and, and things like that. So again, it feels like it's got a little personality. It's taken over your garden. You feel blessed that the little robin mm. likes your garden and so becomes your neighbor. And so all those sort of factors together um, and the impact on the garden thing was the fact that it, you know, it will eat beetles and, and worms and stuff. I mean, obviously the worms are good for the garden, but the robin is so lovely. You have to let them yeah. have some. Yeah, absolutely. I'm going to start with my number one is the goldfinch. Ah, that is on my list. Um, good. Yeah, he's uh, got a big old bright red face, um, yellow, uh, sort of yellow patches uh, on, the, on the wings. Um, it's got a kind of, I think, a sort of conversational kind of chattering um sort of call um you they uh you don't see them in winter though because uh, they're in spain apparently um and i just i i think i'm really going on because i don't really know what i'm talking about i'm going on kind of plumage and uh and song really um uh, and as i said because i don't know a lot i i can't necessarily identify the the different birds apart from you know uh, possibly an owl and a wood pigeon uh and and, uh, and one of my favorites which we'll get to a little bit later um but the, yeah, this is uh, I just think a, a lovely looking bird and um, and and has a yeah a, one of the more interesting complex kind of um, calls. So just to add a couple of things to that, mm. uh, not all of them migrate, so you will get them no. in the winter, and that mm-hmm. you know the, the spark of colour in the garden is is absolutely wonderful. Yeah. Um, they'll often travel in mixed flocks as well uh, during the winter, so you you know if you see them, that you may be seeing something else, and so it's worth keep an eye out you don't know what's there um they their call is so or their song is so twittering and beautiful i i hadn't really heard it until i was on holiday in turkey one year Mm. and uh, there was a flock of them that we always passed on our walk to the beach and that every time we went past they would be singing and so i was able to stop and think right i know that song goes with that bird and so Mm. now i can pick it out if they're on an aerial if they're flying over um and it's yeah beautiful song and i think that they used to be caged birds in the sort of victorian era because they had such lovely songs they would be kept Mm. as caged birds um obviously we we've moved on from from that um they also uh very um if we think about the impact on the garden, you know, they will, they, it's, it's a good idea to leave some of the uh, thistles and dandelions that you perhaps would normally in a pristine garden get rid of. In a wildlife garden, you would want to leave those because they provide seeds for these birds in the, um, in the autumn. And um, of course, they love sunflower seeds as well. Good to know. Uh, goldfinch. Right. What's your number two? My number two is blue tit. And mm-hmm. I debated very much about whether that should be number one, but then I debated about all of my five, <laughs> whether they should be number one. Yeah. So blue tip, very familiar little garden bird. 
uh, one of our smaller garden birds. Again, plumage wise, very striking. Yeah. Um, with yellow breast, white face, uh, a blue cap and blue on the wings um, and tail. And we don't have that many birds with blue in their plumage in this country. And um, it's one of my, well, it is my favourite colour. So I'm mm. naturally drawn to blue tits. Um, they are very acrobatic little birds. We'll, we'll hang upside down on feeders or, you know, looking for insects on fences. They they, they can get in anywhere. They all, um, they do nest in nest boxes quite readily in the garden. So again, it's like they're a neighbour. <laughs> they'll they'll mm. come and take over a nest box. So that's, that's always good. Um, they have, um, they do have a song. Um, it's not as a complex a song as uh, goldfinches. Mm-hmm. Um, and also they're very quick to send up alarm calls, uh, which other birds will listen to and take note of if there mm-hmm. should be, say, a sparrowhawk or, or other um, danger around. Um, so impact on the garden, it's not, not a great impact on the garden, except that, you know, that they will be in the garden eating small spiders and bugs um Mm. they may peck fruit (laughs) so if you've got a fruit tree you might not be so happy about that Mm. but you know in my in my view let the birds have it um but then i'm not trying to sell fruit so um (laughs) and um and yeah just because of their antics because they are so um acrobatic i think their behaviors endear them to people as well yeah, it's very uh, yeah. It, if you can be entertained by a bird as well as as sort of being charmed by one, then it's um, that's a lovely thing. I think there were a lot in the tit family that I really, I really, I, I do like, but it's more from just an, an aesthetic point of view because I think they are striking um, and and, uh, and and beautiful birds. Um, okay, my next one then, my number two is the house sparrow. Ah, interesting. Which is. Um, uh, a little pinstripe bird. It's like a bird that's going to work. Um, it's got sort of a corduroy suit on. Um, it's uh, in in terms of plumage. Um, it's a scavenger, uh, but it's it's all sorts of stuff from what I understand. Um, it's got more more of a sort of complex uh, kind of trilling than the um, than the goldfinch. Um, and uh, apparently, according to the uh, Doctor Internet, we've, which is a sad thing, we've lost something like seventy percent of these uh, in the, over the last thirty years, um, which is a shame because I think they are they are interesting looking birds. They are. I can see what you mean about the corduroy. I hadn't really thought yeah. about that. <laughs> um, they are the quintessential Cockney sparrow, you know, yeah. the London bird. Um, but yes, very much in decline in the UK now. They were also a bird that has been introduced worldwide. Uh, by um, people who colonised other countries and brought mm-hmm. our birds over with them to make them feel at home. They could have just stayed at home, but there you go. Um, <laughs> and unfortunately, they they have done very well in other countries to the extent that they threaten some of the uh, native bird populations. Um, and it is always a bit of a shock to go to a foreign city and find house sparrows there. So, for example, mm. when I was in LA recently, there were house sparrows wow. in Banff, house sparrows in Canada. Um, mm. So, uh, yeah, even in Mexico, I could hear house sparrows. I found them. They were there. Um, so they they are doing well in other countries. And uh, it would be nice if we could transport them back here because mm. they are in decline. So if you do have a noisy flock of sparrows, house sparrows in your location, 
be proud of it. Be pleased of it. Look to see ways that you can preserve that habitat. Don't just cut down the bushes because the birds are chattery in them. Take pleasure in listening to to these birds. They are very gregarious. Um, I absolutely adore listening to them chattering as the the afternoon wears on. It always Mm -hmm. makes me think that they are swapping gossip from the day you know <laughs> did you see what mrs so-and-so did over there or did you see oh. what he did over there and it's real it feels like they're really swapping news um i absolutely love listening to them um and um yes they will take advantage of um you know they will eat a lot of things and so they will mm-hmm. take advantage of in cities um of rubbish left around but um but yeah we should absolutely um not revile sparrows just because at one time they were very common and mm. so people kind of disregarded them they're, they're not now and we should value them when we see them too right what is number three for you number three for me is going to be blackbird which oh, is lovely. one that should have been number one possibly mm-hmm. <laughs> mm-hmm. um so yeah blackbird very recognizable um bird we have uh the male is the blackbird so the male is very, very dark brown or black mm-hmm. um, with an orange beak, orange or yellow beak. And the female is brown, just to make things oh. awkward, <laughs> and doesn't have a, a coloured beak. And um, even worse, the juvenile doesn't look like either of the male or the female. Um, yeah. It's uh, a bit more, obviously, shape-wise it does, but it's mm-hmm. uh, much more speckled and... Uh, when you're just learning about birds, you could confuse it with a song thrush. Right. When you know more and you've seen more, you'll recognise that you don't that they don't look alike. It's just that they've mm-hmm. got spotted breasts, the juvenile blackbirds. And so, if you see a thrush-like bird with a spotted breast um, that's paler, it's not black like a blackbird. You might be tempted to think it's a song thrush. Um, mm-hmm. But again, sadly, song thrushes have become quite scarce. So, uh, in the summer, especially. Um, it will be a juvenile blackbird most likely and you'll be able to tell because the adult blackbird will come along and feed it so there you go that's how you'll know but they have a beautiful beautiful song really mellow fluty um, song that they will sit up on rooftops and and sing out and Mm. um, and go on for quite some time and in places where there's light pollution they will sing through the night as well which for me, is a beautiful, beautiful sound. But I understand that there are other people that it won't be beautiful, especially if they're trying to sleep and birdsong <laughs> disrupts them. But for me, I would much rather hear birdsong than traffic or music. For me, the birdsong is, is key. Um, they eat worms. They also will get to know you in the garden and, and follow you around. Um, they, what else do they do? Oh, they have some... Um, other vocalizations that they make so they have a very very high pitched kind of almost like a wheeze noise that they make and um, they do this when they know that there are things like sparrow hawks or other predators aerial predators around and it's thought that this high pitched is a warning uh, sound is a warning but it can't it, it it's it doesn't allow I don't know if it works for sparrowhawks, but it doesn't allow you to pinpoint where that sound is coming from. So Ooh. it can help like, uh, give warning to other birds, but protect it. Um, it will sometimes be out in full view on, on your lawn, hopping around, almost seeming to listen for worms in the ground. 
um or other times it will be in the bushes and shrubs it it um it's uh it's quite a, a variety of places that it will, will go they have been seen especially in my garden going to feeders and hanging precariously to grab a sunflower seed out of a feeder although generally they're ground feeders um so impact on garden obviously they insects they've got beautiful song behaviors hopping around being companionable and friendly um attractiveness of plumage that is mm. a bit of a moot point you know you might find that a solid colored bird is actually quite attractive they're not as colorful as yeah i think the there's there's a there's a sort of a different so for for example the um uh the rspb has these sort of very nice illustrations um of of birds and i think when you see those they're sort of very um greeting card looking or sort of i don't know it's very very pleasing to see uh um a, a blackbird or a um uh, or a magpie um but i think in the garden i think seeing them or, or just around i think seeing things that are more bright or or just more multicolored i think yeah it's it's more of a, a feast for the eyes when you actually see them in real life but yeah their, their plumage is much glossier than it shows up in um you know not as glossy as a starling mm-hmm. but much more rich toned yeah absolutely um okay uh my number three then is the chaffinch Oh, <laughs> um, which uh, judging by the uh, the uh, so part of my problem is my eyes aren't so good. So I don't really I mean, I see birds, but there's no way I'm going to tell you which bird is which. So I'm sort of going on uh, on photos and illustrations. And um, this one is basically David Dickinson, the bird. Um, it's got a red it's got a red breast and then a sort of red red face um, or red mask and then uh, a sort of white uh, white head um, so the rest rest of the head so it, it basically looks like um, yeah like uh, like David Dickinson um, <laughs> and it's it's kind of loud um, very sort of varied calls really from what I, I could hear um, you, you've sort of I don't know. Like, I, I think I would mistake this bird for lots of other birds. Um, or, you know, I wouldn't necessarily be able to pinpoint that's a chaffinch call because uh, they seem to have a number of different kind of vocalisations. One of the key ones, well, there's two that they have in particular that helps. Um, one of them is the long descending uh, trill that ends, you know, in my head, I'm singing it and I'm, I am not going to say it out loud, but it, it, it come, it descends down. And then there's kind of like a, I want to say it, but I know it's not going to come out of my mouth properly. Um, it's you can try and I promise not to laugh at you. <laughs> a long descending trill and then a kind of da-da, da-da mm-hmm. at the end. Yep. And so if you get a long trill and then that da-da, da-da, I think that's right. I, it, in my that head, I right. was hearing a chaffinch. I don't know it was coming out of my mouth. But the other thing they do is do this kind of pink, pink noise. Mm. And that is quite uh, easy to spot, mm-hmm. except that I found that great tits have a very similar pink, mm. pink. And I was convinced one time that I was stalking her chaffinch and it turned out to be a great tip uh what i will say is that with the chaffinch if you were to look at photographs of chaffinches the drawing is much more um brash Mm. than they are in real life they they do absolutely have these different colors on them but um and sometimes like the green rump can be quite surprising because you don't think of them having green rumps but then sometimes Mm -hmm. you'll see them in just the right angle and it'll display it um 
but uh, yeah absolutely if you look at the photographs they're much more sort of muted but but yes um very chirpy little bird it was i don't know if it still is but when i was young <laughs> a long long time ago it was the most frequently seen bird or the oh. most populous bird in the uk i don't know what it's currently is, but i couldn't believe it because where i lived in essex i had lots and lots and lots of house sparrows mm. i had never seen a chaffinch and it wasn't until i went on holiday to yorkshire one year that i saw my first chaffinch um but mm-hmm. of course I see them everywhere now. And it might just be that I just didn't know what to look for or they weren't yeah. frequenting gardens at that point. But um, but absolutely, you know, you, you see them. And, and sometimes one of my favourite times is when you'll go to um, a stately home or a tea garden somewhere and the chaffinches have got mm. used to coming up and begging for food because it means that they'll, they'll sit around your feet or hang around and you'll get really close views of them. Oh, that's lovely. Um, I... What... Is there, so if you're going to go to um, like a, a stately a stately home or even and uh, the, the answer may differ depending on where you're going, um, uh, you know, walking around a, a lake or something like that. Is there a sort of general all purpose bird feed that you might bring with you um, or would it vary depending on sort of who you're expecting to see? So depending on what the rules are. I will tell you, I always carry sunflower hearts with me ah. on the opportunity that I might get a chance to feed a bird because mm-hmm. it's just one of the things I enjoy doing. I just think of myself as being like Snow White and I want all the birds and animals to come to mm-hmm. me. Um, and if I can bribe them with food, then that's the way I do it. Very unethical, but that's that's me and I do <laughs> that. Uh, but yeah, so sunflower hearts are the thing that I would carry because... Blue tits, great tits, they all love them and they will come to the hand in in places where they're familiar with doing that. Mm -hmm. Uh, Robins will eat them. I have them eaten in the garden. The finches all will eat them, so chaffinches will eat them. Blackbirds will take them. Um, Ducks and geese will probably take them if they get half a chance. I don't advocate throwing them at... I don't advocate throwing seed down at all because, A, you'll set off a feeding Mm -hmm. frenzy... Um, and that is not great if there are birds flock nearby like pigeons. Um, if you're at all nervous about birds, that isn't a great experience. But if you can feed birds sort of a few at a time, um, maybe on the hand or maybe just put a couple down and then retreat and let them see mm. it, um, that, that's a way to do it. But never scattering stuff and especially if you were taking seed out with you and scattering it, chances are it won't get eaten, start germinating and then you've spread um plants that perhaps these places don't want ah. to have in their gardens so that's why i always say be careful where where it is you're feeding if it's if it's clear it's a place that they allow feeding mm-hmm. great if you're not sure i would be very careful about whether you feed or not because you know at the end of the day if you're feeding the birds you're habituating them to humans and ethically it's not really the done thing to do yeah. But, um, you know, we're all emotional animals and we want to make those connections. And so, of course, we're going to. But if we can do it in the least damaging way, um, if we're going to do it. That is really useful advice because I, um, I, I, I might uh, I might pick up some sunflower hearts and uh, and just when I'm when I'm around, because there's a the odd, the odd place. There's a beautiful place that I'd, I'd like to go to every now and again called the Arrow Valley. And um, there's a, a lovely lake that you can just walk around and there's all sorts of. Um, uh of of sort of more water dwelling birds that are around there and and i think 
that people are happy for them to be fed, but you know, you don't want to be um, throwing bits of sandwich at them. So it's always nice to. Uh, no, I mean one thing you can do. Uh, a lot of the RSPB shops will sell duck and geese food. Yeah. So you could just get a small bag of that. And I have done that as well. Carry that around. Mm -hmm. They're like pellets, but at least, you know, they're getting um, proper food and not. They're not just going to get bloated up by bread. Yeah. Yeah. It's going to be stuff that's a little bit more nutritious for them. And and of course, that goes in the water so they can dabble for it and um, or, you know, or eat it out of your Mm -hmm. hand if you're brave enough to let a goose or swan eat from your hand. Uh, But, you know, (laughs) maybe not. Yeah. Yeah. I think the other thing to remember as well, and we'll we'll get back to the list. But like, I think I feel like the other thing to remember is that if you're spending, you know, even 15 minutes and and sitting there and, and feeding the birds, lots of other people throughout the day are going to be doing the same thing and so you know we might just be thinking oh i'm just feeding them a little bit but everybody's doing that you know everybody's just feeding them a little bit and so you've really got to be mindful of how much you're actually feeding them yeah and in in those places where they allow feeding obviously those birds will be being overfed but um you know they still can fly away yeah i I think it's very very rare we ever hear of birds that can't get off the ground because they've eaten too Too fat to fly yeah yeah um okay so what is number four for you um, well, it's the goldfinch, ah, which we've already yeah. spoken about. Lovely. Okay. So let's move us on to number five. Number five, again. Oh, so this is where I have got another debate. Um, I've actually got seven birds on my, yep. oh no, eight birds on my list. Lovely. So the last three birds on my list, um, which I need to dis- decide which one is going to be. Mm-hmm. Yes. I've, so I've got bullfinch. Mm-hmm. Dannock, song thrush, and magpie. Ah, magpie controversial, probably. Well, I, <clears throat> I'm going to tell you that I've got two of those on my list, um, okay. and I'm not going to tell you which ones. Um, but so that's interesting. The one I'm going to go. Yeah. So, shall I tell you just a quick reason why I picked those birds? Oh, sure. So, magpie. Um, I love the crows. I love the crow family. Mm. Uh, they. I love watching their antics. I love, hit, I mean, obviously I don't love watching their antics when they grab live birds and no. fly off with them, but I love watching their antics when they're burying food in the garden, when they're exploring things. I've, I had a wonderful time a couple of summers ago where I kept finding in the summer, I put my washing out on a line to use the sun's heat to, to dry washing. And I kept finding my washing on the floor and I hmm. kept thinking I'd like the pegs, had, uh, you know, the plastic pegs weren't working or something. Mm-hmm. And then one morning I heard a bit of a commotion, looked out the window to see three magpies, juveniles, on my washing line, pulling the pegs off the washing. So they had learned. Wow. Just, just, just for the hell yeah, of it. Yeah, just, 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 just to be just a dick. do it. Yeah. <laughs> and yeah, they came back a few times. I, I, I did get a little bit of video of them doing it. I could not believe that they were doing that. Um, I've watched them watching squirrels bury nuts in the garden and then go and investigate where the squirrel has buried the nuts so they, they watch other things they, they're, they're very intelligent in that mm. way and the other thing that i like about them is when they are sitting on their own quite quietly practicing their song and you will hear them sort of chattering away to themselves in a kind of sub song um and it just that just i just love it it sounds like they're just sitting there talking to themselves just trying out all these little notes <laughs> that they've they've learned um occasionally having a little raucous 
sort of cough or or chur in amongst it all. But that that is one of the things that I I do like. And they're they're quite striking birds as well. Mm. You know, they're big birds. They're quite aggressive in the garden. Um, not many other birds will stand up to them because they you know they can attack and and will do occasionally. Um, they uh, have a beautiful long tail that's so they're primarily black and white, but they have a long tail that has got hints of well, not hints. It has got green and purple shimmers in mm. it as well. Um, so very striking birds. Um, so that was magpie song thrush. Um, I mentioned previously again for their beautiful song, um, which can so they do repeat phrases within their song, and that's how you can tell them apart from. Um, Blackbirds, because mm. they're a thrush, they're a similar kind of bird. They um, are paler on their chest, um, breast area. They have spots, um, which is why that I mentioned that you might get them confused with juvenile blackbirds. Um, but yeah, they, they repeat song phrases three to five times. So if you listen to the tune, it might be that they, um, you know, there might be a sort of and it'll it, it it's repeated in phrases so you can hear that and you'll know that that's a, a song thrush um and they start singing very early in the morning as well so we've got one at the moment singing before dawn and um you can absolutely spot it and, and work it out uh the two other birds that i was mentioning i've got dunnock and bullfinch so dunnock um another bird uh, that you may not notice very much in your garden a bit skulking they hang around in shrubs and bushes sometimes they'll come out into the open um very sort of nondescript uh streaky brown on brown really um but uh, and they look a bit like robins uh in their shape and a little bit in their behavior um but apparently they have a very complex social life Ooh. and um will take multiple partners uh, in the breeding season. And so one male may have quite a few females um, with eggs and um, and I believe vice versa as mm -hmm. well, so that there'll be some females sort of mating with lots of different males. Um, around this time of year, you might see them start to um, display. So if there's another another dunnock around, they will flick their wings around a lot. I, I call them very flicky birds mm. because their wings are very flick, flick. You know, I think they're displaying to the other birds to either attract or keep them away. Mm. Uh, again, they have a beautiful song and um, they will very often be out singing and you'll see them early morning sitting on a branch somewhere declaring their territory. <laughs> but my fifth bird is going to be the bullfinch. Okay. So... I've chosen this for a number of reasons, uh, not least because it's the artwork for my show. Mm. Um, a, sh a bird that in, does, does come to gardens but isn't seen very often, despite the male being a very um, bright, well, it's not, it is bright red. It's a very red and black bird. Now, in uh, Northern Europe, it's a much, much brighter red than it is here, almost orange uh, in places. And um, I've been quite shocked to see them when I've been on my travels. Um, but uh, yeah, very black head, um, a grey back and this beautiful peachy red front. They have a very soft call, which um, once you know it, you can pick it out and know that you've got bullfinches around, but they're quite shy and quite retiring birds. But they will come to feeders. And when you see one on your feeder, it, it, it's a real thrill to see one there. The mm. females um, have 
uh, dark caps, but uh, a sort of pale coffee coloured uh, plumage. Behaviour wise, they just kind of turn up and grab a seed and disappear into the trees again. So you don't really get to see much of them. Um, they have got a lovely song. Again, you often would overlook it. It's um, it's not as strong as as the other birds, mm-hmm. um, but it is quite um, quite a complex song. I only heard it. I've only heard it a couple of times, and I think I would have difficulty picking it out unless I saw the bullfinch because I just haven't heard it enough times. Um, impact on garden, I think, is minimal. So that's why mm-hmm. I think it's had to go as number five um, on my list. There, there you go. Um, well, you've already not only um, picked two my my final remaining two birds um you've also described them in in very good detail oh sorry no no it's quite it's absolutely fine uh <laughs> give me a mic and i run away with no it. that's great it's uh that's that's the idea um so my number so we we had robin uh, among us so my number five was the magpie um because why did you choose that i think they are striking and i i I think i wanted something that was uh as as you said sort of more in the crow family although i didn't necessarily i wasn't thinking in those terms um but just something that is a a bit more a bit more goth a bit more a bit darker um and uh, uh you know um yeah i just i think i think they i think they look great i i don't find their call particularly pleasant but it is it is distinctive um and uh, i hear them quite a bit um and yeah they're just if you hear them doing the really raucous Mm. call chances are there's a cat or some other threat around and as soon as that's moved off it it will stop uh same i should have mentioned that with blackbirds Mm -hmm. they have a very sharp um resounding sort of uh repeated um, sharp alarm call mm. that will go on and on and on and really grind you down. <laughs> but chances are, again, it's because there's a cat or some other threat that they can see. Yeah. And as soon as that's removed from from the environment, you know, you, you've taken your cat in or whatever, um, that noise will stop. Yeah. <laughs> so there is a way to stop it without getting annoyed at the bird. Yes. Sorry, do you? No, no, it's fine. Um, no, it's uh, I, I'm I'm replaying some of my uh, encounters and, and realizing, yeah, that's that's pretty much exactly what's happened. And uh, I also do remember um, a not particularly pleasant scene with uh, when I uh, lived with my parents. This is a a, a few cats ago. Uh, my my uh, cat who when we when we got him was my and my dad's cat and by the end was very much just my cat um cuz i think my dad slightly disowned him when uh, i think he um might have killed a uh, magpie and the mother magpie was just flying around the garden um trying to find out where its baby was yeah it's it's not great to have um to see that happen um what i will say you know i have my own thoughts on on these things but what i will say is i was sitting in the garden one time watching and a magpie came out of nowhere and took a baby sparrow away oh and it was you know alive it wasn't injured it wasn't ill and so you know at that time so i i I accept that because that magpie was taking that sparrow away to feed its chicks. It was that time of year. Chicks were around. They needed to be fed. It saw an opportunity and took it. I have less sympathy with, you know, the first situation you described. Yes, absolutely. You know, it was a natural reaction from a predator animal. Um, 
but it wasn't needed for food. No. Um, uh, and there was and there so, was an option to not introduce that particular predator to that environment. Uh, it yeah, was a pre- yeah. it was a very preventable death. Yeah. So yeah, completely, completely agree. Um, no, no, I mean these things happen, and and you know you 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 make choices. If uh, you know, we all make our own choices, um, and you know we see things we don't want to see. You know, if we the other thing is you know if you have a bird feeder in your garden you bring birds to your garden chances are sparrowhawk will will come and predate those birds yeah some people are very vocal about not liking sparrowhawks because they've taken their small birds mm-hmm. but they are also birds and they are also needing to eat and you have provided a very nice little buffet area mm-hmm. for this sparrowhawk to get food so you know if you bring birds together you need to understand that that's going to be an opportunity for predators as well of of all types um what i'm very not on board with is um people taking into their own hands to um to kill or remove magpies just because they don't like them yeah um and so that's that's an area that i'm very not okay with yes indeed uh i i have um i have i have two stories uh of um birds entering my um my old this is my old flat because uh, they um sometimes they would leave so it was a, a second floor flat and sometimes people would leave the entry uh, the back entry door open and one morning i woke up uh to find that there was i think it was a pigeon um which was quite quite a big bird um and it was just i just heard it flapping around in my hallway um and it had obviously it figured out how to get in but couldn't figure out how to get out again the door was still open yeah. but it just it hadn't fig- and so I took it upon myself to, uh, to to sort of pad down there and uh, and grab it, sort of grab the bird and try and and, and help it out. Uh, and I think it, in in retrospect, I might have I might have handled it differently. But um, I I sort of I knew I had to grab the bird decisively because if I was ginger about it, it was just going to fly away and I'd never be able to help the bird out of the, out of the building. And so you know, in in my head, of course. I had this sort of Mary Poppins, you know, image of me helping this bird and, and you know, this bird would be grateful. Oh, you've introduced me back into society. Thank you for, for saving me. And of course, you know, of course, what actually happened is I grabbed the bird and it went, ah, <laughs> and just, just kept screaming. Um, did it? Did you manage to get hold of it? Though? I did. Well, so the first time it, it screamed, uh, I was like, because uh, obviously, you know, it's, it, I wasn't, you know, throttling the bird. It was just like, this isn't meant to happen. Uh, yeah. Uh, and so I sort of, you know, backed off. And then I just thought, you know what, it's not figuring out what to do. Uh, it's kind of pecking at the window. So I just I just went in again and just and just grabbed and just let it scream until I ran downstairs uh, out the door and, and then just let it let it free. Um, and it was uh, it was fine. That didn't go so well the second time a bird got into my building, which it got directly into my flat and I could I didn't make it in time for my second cat to uh, uh yeah that was a, i was i was really sad about that i was really bummed out by it because i tried really hard i woke up again heard this bird flapping in my flat saw my cat running around trying to grab it and i trying to shoo her out of the way and i just turned my back uh and and within an instant she she snapped its neck and um oh. it was like I, and i was re- i really was uh because you know uh, quite upset by that one because i was like i just for a second i'm really trying to save this bird's if, life um, if if well you know obviously cut notwithstanding yeah. and, and maybe trying to get that into a different room but yeah. if you ever get a bird in that situation again or anyone does uh 
best thing to do is to get a, a tea towel or, or some yeah. sort of light towel to throw, throw over, over them. The bird. Because that prevents them from flying, because trying to grab a bird that's trying to fly yeah. away from you, because obviously they think you're a threat. Yeah. Um, and then gently uh, picking that towel up with the bird inside, hopefully with the wings closed, so you're not going to risk breaking the wing. Yeah. Uh, and you can take it outside. Um, but definitely, you know, use that method rather than just sort of launching yourself yes. at a bird and trying to grab it, because, you know, that is likely to come off worse for everyone yeah so. no 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 one no one um, makes out well for that uh so uh my my final bird was the song uh, song thrush so um oh right and, and why did you choose song thrush um i liked again it was the um sort of the the, the plumage and i absolutely see why uh you would um they would get mistaken for uh, juvenile blackbirds um you know with, with your description of um uh, of the plumage um it's uh and yeah i i don't know i, I didn't have very uh, you know uh, particularly great um criteria uh i just thought it was it was a a, a nice looking bird and uh, a leopard print bird if you like um and it has a pleasant call a bit repetitive for me uh, if i'm honest if i'm criticizing but um yeah another 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 bird that we're losing um losing numbers off oh and also the way they the way they kill snails is pretty um oh, yes. that, that's yeah. that's pretty uh, metal as as the kids say yeah did you want to describe it yeah they it, they eat snails by smashing them to bits against a rock which is um i mean that, that's a slightly colorful way of describing it but it's goodness me yeah, and no, I've absolutely seen them do it. Uh, so, yeah, good on them for learning at all. Not so great for the snails, but, no. you know, the snails are going to get eaten. <laughs> what I was going to say about the uh, song is that they're also good at mimicking. Um, yeah. They will learn so sounds that they hear and incorporate it into their song. Mm -hmm. So you may well hear a car alarm or a telephone. Well, in the old days when we used to have trill phones. Mm. Um, everything's like in the old days when we used to have. Oh, yeah. <laughs> When I was a girl, <laughs> um, yeah. Uh, so they do. They do. Uh, it, it's worth listening to the song mm. and and seeing if you can hear anything else in there. Like you say, repetitive, but not. It's not repetitive in that it's not the same three notes all the time. Mm -hmm. They do have a complex song. It's just that they repeat phrases within the song. Yeah, yeah. It's not quite it's um, like the chorus. It's not quite a wood pigeon. Um, yeah. yeah. Not quite a wood pigeon, and it is on that um, incredibly insightful note that um, I uh, let's, let's take a, a quick break, uh, and I'll thank Susie Buttress for for being my guest. Uh, we recorded this um, uh, back in what March? Uh, sorry, uh, uh, February before the world tipped over on its side. Um, if you are going through any uh, anxiety any sort of levels of stress at the moment as a, a result of what's going on with the COVID-19 outbreak then know that um, there are people around who are not only going through it as well but uh, are also eager to um, to get in touch and have a chat and, and uh, that's one of the best things that we can do. Uh, here in the UK we are under lockdown uh, as of uh, yesterday as of last night as, uh, as I record this particular uh, segment now um, and so that's going to be the case for us for the next three weeks um, we're not allowed to leave uh, unless um, 
we're getting supplies and uh, uh, supplies. Goodness, um, yeah, uh, or, or, or weapons, um, or for exercise. We're allowed. We're allowed a. Uh, uh, one period of exercise a day, apparently, and uh, yeah, so no talk about like enforcement or anything like that yet. But it has been it has been said, and and police have got the powers to find people and stuff. So it's all a bit it's all a bit much. But if that stuff uh, feels like it's getting on top of you because it's it's everywhere, it's it's obviously it's not just the UK um, by by any stretch. It is this is a pandemic, and uh, wherever you are, if you're feeling the pinch of it at the moment. Um, and you just want to be kept company for a bit, especially if you're alone uh, at this at this time. Um, then that brings me to the reason, not the reason, but um, one of the things that's going to sort of um, be be here while this envy is not. Um, so I'm going to put out uh, the next episode, which is a lovely one to to sort of end. Let's call it season one on. Um, very very shortly so you may already have that now um and that's a it's a, it's a really uh, a nice fun one uh, with a great guest as well um uh, so that will go out shortly and then we're going to take a break um and just sort of regroup and and and, and uh see see what happens with with guests and stuff because not everyone's necessarily in the cheeriest of moods and trying to think about uh making top five lists and and that kind of stuff um but you know, in 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 other ways, uh, we, we we've possibly never been uh, more able to do that with with everybody being at home. So we'll you know whatever will be figured out will be figured out. But uh, at the moment, I'm not contemplating making new episodes of that. However, um, I am still with you. Should you want me to be with you, uh, in the form of a, a podcast that I'm doing every weekday called Company Man, and the aim of that is just to sit for half an hour. So this show is, um, I hope you don't realise, but this this one in particular is quite heavily edited. Now, that's not because I didn't have a wonderful guest, because I most certainly did. It's because I had all sorts of technical snafus, and so there's been a lot of sort of editing to to get this in, in, in order. Um, and, you know, I write the show notes and gather links and all that kind of stuff and, and, and do all that for each episode. Um, because it's very much about creating something that will um, that will last for a while. Whereas Company Man, it's me talking to you for half an hour every day, every weekday, just chatting, just being there and having a having a natter, uh, having a having a gabble. Um, so if if you feel like that is of value or of use to you uh, in the next few weeks, um, I'm gonna do it for as long as we are sort of under lockdown. Um, uh, that's that's my hope anyway. So definitely for the next three weeks as I, as I record this. Um, and I'm going to do my best to, to be there sort of roughly the same time every day. Um, uh, uh, yeah, every every weekday, Monday to Friday. Um, if, if that sounds like that is of use to you um, or to anyone else, that you know, that might just want to hear some um, some some chatter for a bit. Companyman.fm is where you will find that. Um it's yeah it's just it's just it's just a nice little chat and that's it um not talking about the the virus uh, or, or anything like that in any great detail uh, not talking about news not giving advice it's just uh it's just a matter so that's that companyman.fm if you want to check that out uh and of course um we uh, the, the, 
it's it's been it's been lovely. I, one of the great things about this podcast is is the opportunity I have to talk to really knowledgeable people about the things they care about, especially the people who's for whom it is not their job. Um, and Susie is is a great example. She has a, a lovely podcast called The Casual Birder, which you'll find linked in the show notes and is uh, everywhere you expect to find fine podcasts. Um, and it is it is what you what you would expect. And she's had all sorts of uh, of lovely guests as well. Uh, and it's if you are if you like if you like birds and you want to know more about them or you want to um, help yourself to identify them better uh, so that you can enjoy them better and enjoy the bird song that's around you and uh, enjoy the wildlife that's available uh, in our gardens and um, in stately homes and, and parks and places like that, then I highly recommend listening to The Casual Birder because that is a great place to start. So uh, we have got a job to do. Um, we've got a list to make uh, and Damn it, we're going to do that. We're going to make that list. So uh, let's get straight back uh, to our deliberations on the top five. Um, As I've put it, English country garden birds. We've got a job to do um, because we've now got to combine our lists. um, And I think... Can you repeat them again then? What what are our top three? What are each of our top threes? So uh, I had uh, the goldfinch... The house sparrow and the chaffinch is my top three, and your top three were robin, blue tit, and blackbird. Now, yes. I've got a provisional top five list. I'd like to run by you and see see what you think, and see see where where we can adjust things. Um, and this is based on sort of both of us having picked certain things, and and also so all right from five to one, magpie, bullfinch, robin, blue tit, and then blackbird. Now, I put Blackbird at number one because even though you didn't, I feel that you were the most effusive and descriptive and you had <clears throat> you had the most sort of flattering things to say uh, about the Blackbird. And um, I, I really felt like um, it deserved it deserved um, a place up there. So thoughts. Well, um, interesting list. Um, <laughs> no, I, I, it's good because it's it's not what I thought you were going to go mm. for. Um, Debating out between, so Blackbird, you know, it was my first ever episode was about the Blackbird Mm. as well. So I clearly felt the Blackbird had a lot of things to commend it. Yeah. And uh, I think I'm going to agree that Blackbird should be number one. Lovely. So where do you stand on blue tit robin bullfinch magpie or obviously anything else? These are just these are just my uh, my thoughts. I think Robin has to come in a close number two. Yep, I'm happy with that. So what have we got left? So uh, blue tit bullfinch magpie, but also uh, goldfinch um, song thrush dunnock. So my, I think out of the ones we've spoken about, I would put goldfinch next. Mm-hmm. I'd then put. I then personally, I would then put blue tit and magpie. I think magpie should be in the top five. Yeah, I think so. It will be controversial. Yeah, and you'll probably get comments about it. <laughs> but I do think we should have a crow. I think so there. too. Um, good. Okay, so from five to one: magpie, blue tit, goldfinch, robin, blackbird. Susie Buttress, do you consent to this list? I, I can I just change? It? Yes, yes, can yes. Can we swap around blue tit and goldfinch? I think blue tit should be a little bit higher, ah. just because of the the relationship people will have had with having them nest in the garden. Yeah. Well, so, that is, yeah, that, that is lovely. Um, so we, we have, we have a final list. We have done what we came here to do and I'm very pleased with this. So um, it's magpie, 
Goldfinch, um, Blue Tit, Robin, Robin, Blackbird, Blackbird. singing Brilliant. in the dead of night. Are there any that um, you want to give a sort of an honourable mention to that, that perhaps didn't didn't make any of the, of the list that we've discussed? Um, if you don't, well, the that's Sparrowhawk. Fine. Oh yeah, the Sparrowhawk. Um, because they are they have gorgeous plumage. They are predators. You know, they will eat the other birds in the garden. Mm-hmm. But it reminds us of what nature is, you know, red in tooth and claw. And, mm. um, you know, they are stunning high-speed flyers that, you know, swoop through gardening, they're there and gone um, unless they stop and and take something. Um, but I think, you know, we, we don't often think of sparrowhawks being garden birds, but they, they are. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think... Yeah, I could go on all day about yeah. birds. So <laughs> That's I think fine. I probably ought to stop at that one. Well, um, why don't you please um, tell me everything you can uh, about the casual birder? So, uh, the casual birder uh, podcast is my show. I talk to people about the joy of the birds that they see. So, I talk to experts and find out specific things about birds, or I talk to people that just enjoy seeing birds in their garden. I love hearing people's stories. I love to hear about the birds they're seeing. I also go out on recorded bird walks and bring those songs to people. I've been lucky enough to travel. So, um, there are some recordings from um, that I've taken that I made in America. Um, I've got some information about when I went to Antarctica and I'll be bringing out another South Atlantic um, episode later on this year. Um, but you can find me on all of the social media, but you can find all of my details at my website, which is casualbirder.com. And I've got a lovely gallery of photographs uh, of the birds that we've seen. And my husband has started taking bird photographs. He's actually a landscape photographer by passion and hobby um but he started taking bird photographs to to help me out wonderful um and it is uh the the, the bullfinch that uh, that is the uh, the the mascot for your podcast yes yeah, so i i had that it was a bullfinch that was visiting my garden i had a photograph and a friend of mine randy braun turned it into my artwork for my show so that is the artwork beautiful and of course if people want to on wednesdays i post a bird identification quiz on my social media channels i take a photograph that either i've taken or one of my listeners has sent to me and show a portion of it and i always try to show the identifying features it might mean that you have to look up on a bird guide if you don't already know the bird but uh, I post it during, usually during the mornings, Wednesday mornings, and it's hashtag WhatBirdWednesday. And then for those people that get it right, I'll give you a shout out in the evening when I then reveal what the bird is. So do look out for that and take part. And you don't have to know a lot about birds. I always put clues in the photographs to give you an idea. And it's treated it like a detective thing of, I know it might be a water bird. I'll go and look up water birds and see which ones have these features. And actually, I've learned tons about the birds since I've been doing this because it's making me look at the plumages more carefully. So anyway, take part in that. Hashtag what bird Wednesday. I feel like, I, I mean, I, I always learn a lot in these episodes and that's partly why I find them so fun. But I, I really feel like um, I, I, I'm a a great step closer to actually being able to look at a bird and go, oh, I know what that is. Um, so so thank you for that. But, and can I just say, mm. it, it, it doesn't matter if you don't know what they are. Sure. Um, because you can still enjoy the birds. But it just adds enjoyment once you can start differentiating them. So yeah. next time we're both in London, let me take you out on a bird walk and, and show you the birds around. Beautiful. Um, on that note, Susie, thank you very much for, for joining me on List Envy. Thank you for inviting me. 